0: I want to jump back in this morning to Mark, Mark's Gospel, where I was last Sunday, and I was kind of focused more on Mark chapter 6 last week, and we centred around actually Mark 6, 7, and 8, but I generally stayed in Mark 6. I want to jump into Mark 8 this morning, and um, I'm reading a passage where Jesus had just fed Oh, sorry guys, you can take your seat (laughs) Jesus had just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And uh, it was a miracle that uh, would have astonished a lot of those people as he took those seven loaves, held them up to heaven, blessed them, and uh, then began to distribute them through his disciples, and they never ran out. They just fed 4,000 people. Soon after that, he has a confrontation with the Pharisees, who are demanding a sign to prove by what authority he can do such great things. I I would have thought that was a sign enough, feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. But um, he got quite ticked off with the Pharisees and told them that it was only a wicked generation that demanded a sign. And to you, a sign will not be given. And rather indignantly, he said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and get out of here. You know, I'm kind of over this religious mentality that I heal somebody and then I'm criticised for it. I release somebody from pain and then I'm condemned for it. And I, I, I can imagine, he was a human being like you and I. He was God, but he was God in the flesh. And he lived in the restriction that you and I live in. And that's why he's such a great high priest, because he understands our pain. He felt our pain. He understands temptation. Jesus was tempted in all ways. If you think of whatever temptation you've ever faced. He had the same temptation. You think, no. Well, the Bible says very, very clearly that he was tempted in all manners like we are. And that's why he's such a great high priest who can empathize with us. And so there were times he got frustrated. And he said to his disciples, let's get in the boat and let's go. But in verse 14 of Mark chapter 8, the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had just fed 4,000 people with seven (laughs) loaves of bread. Just tuck that away in the back of your mind. The disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. I I think he he was thinking about that confrontation he just had with the Pharisees. And he said, guys, just be careful what you listen to, what you take in, what you focus upon in this life just be careful what you dwell on what you take into your inner world just watch out of the yeast of the pharisees and of herod at that point the disciples began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread yeast bread is he trying to subtly tell us where's lunch guys i know you didn't bring it that's really what was happening here in the boat but jesus knew what they were saying so he said why Are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts so hard that you still don't get it? You don't take it in. You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Uh, Twelve, they said, sheepishly. Uh, I don't think they were getting it yet, though. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 We've not long finished a series in our Connect Groups on the renewing of the mind. It's the verse that that series was based on. And it's where Paul says, don't be conformed to the thinking of this world. Don't be conformed to the patterns, the mindsets, the belief systems of this world. But he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Break the mold of what this world believes and thinks And lift your eyes and begin to take in what God believes and thinks. And rather than think like the world thinks, and rather than believe like the world believes, start to think and believe like God thinks and believes. In other words, Paul was saying to the Roman church intentionally and proactively, Break out of the box of how I currently think and how I view the challenges of life, how I view the pain that we all experience in life, break out of the box of how I see the storms in life where. In this mindset, you have a tendency to sink under the storm, but under God's mindset, we we rise like the song we were just singing, and we sing in the middle of the storm. We rise up and we see the storm as God sees it, not as some threatening force that could take us out, but as something that God has completely in His control and in His power. Because when I... I do that. When I stop thinking like the world thinks and I start thinking like Jesus thinks, like God thinks, I, according to Paul, will begin to prove the will of God in my life. What that means is I'll begin to be a demonstrator of God's will in my life. And what is God's will? That his kingdom would come and that his will, his His kingdom would come, his dominion and his authority would come into my life and that his will would be done in my life on earth, as it is in heaven, in my circumstances, in my challenges, in my situations, you know, pray this way that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, and that the authority of Jesus would begin to rise within our life, and we would believe that there are more for us than there are against us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? He says change the way that you think. And, And when heaven comes to earth, when the authority of God is released into my life and I begin to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My mind begins to be renewed and I start to demonstrate God's will in my life. God's will for me is to be fruitful. And I believe that as I, as I think like God thinks and I begin to focus on the things God focuses on and not be consumed by my needs, not be consumed by my lack, not be consumed by the challenges of life, but be consumed by the one who has overcome the world and my mind is more focused there than on anything else, I begin to bring heaven into the circumstances of my life. And as a result of that, the will of God is demonstrated. I prove this is the will of God. When I begin to think like God thinks, you know, what is the will of God in my life? It's to overthrow the oppressors that are trying to stop me from being all he created me and called me to be. Isaiah 61, it's the great call of Jesus uh, upon his mission. It's it's why he came. You know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because I'm anointed for a reason, I'm anointed for a purpose, and that is to preach good news to the poor. It's to heal the brokenhearted. It's to declare freedom to those who are held captive. It's to set free those who are bound and to declare, proclaim that this is the day of God's favour. This is the day of God's presence, God's power, God's goodness, God's blessing to flow into every area of our life. Folks, it is God's will for you and I to be free. It's God's will for you and I to be healthy and whole. We've been on a series in the church on living with a wounded spirit and what that looks like and how we can get free of a wounded spirit. God does not want you living out your days wounded. He wants your heart restored. It's his will. The spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus to set the captives free. When we are wounded and we're hemorrhaging internally and we're living in pain and we're losing sight of the healer of that pain, you you know we are oppressed. But then we need to declare, let your kingdom come into my heart, into my circumstances, into my wounded spirit so that your will can be done. What is his will? His mission to declare today is the day of God's favour, to set the captive free. I don't want to live my days bound up with resentment. I don't want to live my days bound up with with jealousy and and issues of anger and, and, you know, uh, revenge and vengeance. on You know, I, I want to live my days out seeing Jesus in the circumstances of life and singing in the middle of the storm. I want to see my days out walking with Jesus, not with my pain. I want to walk with him. I want him to be a part of my life. It's God's will for me to be healed, to be free, to be whole, to be healthy. And and the more my mind is renewed to believe that and to think like God thinks, then I will begin to see that outworked in my life. But if my mind is conformed to the patterns of this world, if it's conformed to the thinking processes of this world, corrupted by humanism, corrupted by atheism, corrupted by, by agnosticism, and even, even corrupted by religion. If I, if I let that corrupt my life and my heart believes contrary to what God believes, if my eyes see contrary to what God sees, and I allow those influences to dominate how i think how i process life and its challenges i i will never hope to prove his will in my life i'll never hope to see it at work in my life because it's only a renewed mind that produces and proves his will revelation is the key to that you know what is revelation it's when god shows you something it's, it's a light bulb moment. It's when you're reading the word and all of a sudden it leaps off the page and it comes alive in your heart. It's, it's, Paul prayed to the Ephesian church. He said, I pray that your eyes be enlightened, that you might see the hope to which you are called. I pray that you See, a lot of us are in church, but we have no hope. A lot of us are lifting our hands and singing the songs, hoping that God will come and do something, but we have a hope. And if we would open our eyes and ask God to help us renew our thinking and renew our mind, we, we will begin to see the will of God outworked in our life, which is for us to be healthy, whole, free, fruitful, secure, all of those things. But if if I don't get a revelation, see the revelation is the key that renews my mind. It's the light bulb moment. It's it's when, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I know God loves me. He, he loves me. Yeah, I know, I know he loves me. And, God actually loves me. He, he does love me. It's, it's that moment when you go from the theory to the knowledge that, that, that changes your life and you have a revelation that, that once you get it, you, nobody can take it away from you. you know, and it's, that's the word that produces faith that does the impossible. Remember Paul said to the Roman church, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, the Word of God that becomes a revelation that impacts me, it, it, uh, it changes my life. That's what it renews my mind. When God turns the light bulb on, bang, I get it. It's a revelation. And then I need to meditate on it because I could lose it. And I don't want to lose it. So I meditate on it. And the more I meditate on it, the more it sinks from my head to my heart. And I go from being an unbelieving believer to being a believing believer. Because there's so much unbelief in the church. You you know, how do we receive revelation from God? Jesus said an interesting thing to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13. He said, You, my disciples, are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Who are the others? Those that have rejected him, those that are still in the dark, have yet to learn of him, have yet to know him. They don't understand the things of the Spirit. But he says, To those who follow me, to those who have surrendered to me, to those that that are willing to do what I tell them to do, like the man who built his house on the rock. you know, If you just do what I tell you to do, when the storm comes, you will be able to sing in the middle of it. When the pressure comes, you will be able to stand up. There'll be a greater pressure internally than the external pressure trying to crush you when when you actually believe what I'm trying to teach you. And and, uh, he says to them, others are not permitted to understand, but you are. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. They will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And then he proceeded to give them understanding. They asked. They said, "Help us! Help us know!" And he said, "Well, for you, as my disciple, uh, you is permitted for you to have understanding." So he began to explain at that point the parable of the seed and the sower and what the seed represented and how it outworked. And they got revelation, they got understanding on that. Um, you know, as a disciple of Jesus, open to and hungry for his teaching, I have a biblical right to ask him for revelation and understanding. And when I get that revelation and understanding, my mind is renewed and my life is transformed. The circumstances don't have to change for my life to be transformed. I can sing in the middle of the storm. Because a renewed mind is the key catalyst for increasing my faith and for bringing the will of God into my life, healing, wholeness, security, fruitfulness, that's the will of God for our life. The kingdom of darkness will mobilize everything within its power to stop me from renewing my mind. He doesn't want me getting revelation. He doesn't want me understanding how the kingdom of God operates. He doesn't want me knowing what the hope is that I've been called to. He doesn't want me getting a picture of the the destiny, the purpose, the direction, the power that is available to us who believe. He doesn't want us knowing that. So he will do everything he can to distract us, to discourage us from seeing as God sees. He'll stop everything he can to stop your heart from softening. To stop us from becoming pliable in the hands of God, he will use everything he can. And the key weapon is the bombardment. Don't miss this. It's the bombardment of other influences in our life. It's the bombardment of other influences in our life. As they were crossing the lake, Mark 8.15, Jesus said, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. When you read the context of Mark's gospel, particularly chapters 6, 7 and 8, you you begin to see that he made that statement because he could see just how big the blockages were in the minds of his disciples. He said, you have eyes. Aren't, Aren't you seeing what's happening around you? You're walking with me. Aren't you hearing what's being said? Aren't you seeing what's being done? And and he could see the blockages of their mindset influenced probably by the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, influenced by the the, uh, Herodian mindset. Their minds were still unrenewed to kingdom reality. And their lives were still incredibly vulnerable to being influenced and conformed to the patterns of the world. Yeast or leaven uh, is another term for it, is used in the Bible as a symbol of covert, penetrating, pervasive influence. It's a symbol that, that talks about a, an agent, usually a corrupting agent, and it's an outside influence coming in upon our thought processes that affects our worldview and how we think. The yeast of the Pharisees or the corrupting influence of the Pharisaical mindset is that of religious form without divine power. That's the Pharisaical mindset. It's having the, the form of godliness but no power. It promotes religious activity and a theology of truth. Religious activity and a theology of truth, a theology of truth is this: Do you today have a relationship with Jesus? Don't answer that out loud. You just ask, "Do you today have a relationship with Jesus?" Or do you just have a theology that says you do?" There's a big difference. I, I have an estranged relationship at the moment with my brother, and I won't go into the details of that. It's, it's tense and, and it's awkward. Do I have a relationship with him? No, not at this point in time. But I do have a piece of paper, it's called my birth certificate, that says I do. I think for a lot of us, we have that in the church. Where really, we, we, we have a form of religious activity and a theology of truth, but no reality of a relationship that produces fruit in our life. In the church, the Pharisaical mindset is manifest through a devotion to a system, not a saviour. Well, it's quiet in here. There's more devotion to a particular brand of church today than there is to the Jesus who is building the church. If I, if I get you into this church, when I stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, Marty, you built the biggest church I've ever seen. It's bigger than Hillsong. It's amazing. I didn't think you could do it. You know, and it's great. The only problem I have is none of them know Jesus. You've just built a crowd. And if I, if I build a big church and connect you to the church, but fail to connect you to Jesus, I've failed abysmally. I will not get a good, well done, good and faithful servant. If we don't connect people to Jesus, I, I've got nothing to offer you. I can encourage you. I can support you. But at some point in time, I'm going to let you down because I'm as human as you are. I'm no different to you are. The only difference is I have a calling on my life, but you have one of those too. So even in that area, my calling might be different, but we're no deal. we have to connect you to Jesus. So you know, it's, it's where believers are content to belong to a particular brand of, of church, but no real, live, intimate relationship with Jesus. In the Pharisaical mindset in the church, it's where explanations are given, but no solutions. Why is that man sick? Well, there's sin in his life. Well, if there's no sin in his life, there'll be sin in his family life. Remember that? That's in the Gospels. Why, why is this man sick? Is it because he sinned or because his father sinned or, or, his, or, or, or his grandfather sinned? You know, why is it? You now, no, it's interesting that they want to give explanations to everything. Jesus doesn't even answer the question. You would have thought he would have said, Well, actually, guys, you know, you need to understand this is the reason. No, he didn't. You know, why is this person sick? Some sin somewhere in his life or in his family? Whereas Jesus just said, Neither, let's just get him healed. That's all Jesus was interested in, was getting him healed. And that's the difference between a Pharisaical mindset and Jesus is saying to his disciples, Be careful of that religious mindset. Because there's no power in it. It's a form of godliness. It's a form that that is nothing but religious activity with no divine grunt in the motor. You know, when push comes to shove, it's not the church that's going to get me through my darkest hour. It's my relationship with the Saviour who is building the church. He will use you to encourage me. He used Viv Grice to encourage me in that moment. But it was Jesus that got me through. That we've got to be careful of that mindset. The yeast of Herod or the influence of the Herodian mindset is that of humanism. It promotes the wisdom and the strength of man independent of God. And that, that is in the church and it's manifest through a practical lifestyle lacking an active God. It's where vision in the church today is based upon building something great for God rather than seeking the mind and heart of God. Can you hear that? You know, it's like we're doing a lot of things in the name of God, but are we doing it out of that intimate connection with the Saviour who is building what we're trying to build? And so the Herodian mindset is that we can do this. We can get through. And I, more than anything else, that's the area I've been influenced and I've succumbed to over the years of ministry. Doing things for God rather than with God. Doing things out of a sense of i 'm building something great for god he 's going to be pleased, but Jesus is sitting back saying you 're going to include me you're going to bring me into this situation well let 's start that program. I saw that at another church I was visiting it 's a great prayer it works. they had a lot of people coming, so we start that and Jesus I never told you to do that I, I, you know, He will only sustain what he gives birth to you know when when abraham um, was about to sacrifice Isaac, God said an interesting thing to Abraham. He said, Abraham, bring your son, your only son. But he wasn't the only son. Ishmael had already been born. He was a teenager. God didn't recognise what he didn't give birth to. And so the Herodian mindset is we're doing great things for God and we're building something great in the name of God rather than us seeking the heart and mind of God. And and I I think that is the key to revival. That is the key to fruitfulness. That is the key to transformation. It's God, what is in your mind? And then when his mind becomes my mind, I'm transformed and everything I touch prospers. Is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Herodian mindset is where believers deal with situations and challenges without bringing God into the process. It's where the church is more about politics than it is about a visitation of God that will impact my life. That's the Herodian mindset. It's the yeast of Herod. After Jesus issues this warning in Mark chapter 8, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, I want you to watch how the disciples respond. Their response, I believe, reveals just how unrenewed their mind is But I also think if we read it with an open heart, it will reveal just how unrenewed our minds actually are. Mark chapter 8, let me read it again. Verse 14 The disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about bread? Are you blind? Don't you understand? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? After what you have seen, after what you have heard, after what you have experienced, how is it that your mind immediately goes to lack? Oh, he's saying that because we haven't brought any bread. What are we going to do? He's going to be upset. If he's hungry, he's going to be grumpy. this This is what their mind was doing. But they had just... Witnessed four thousand people fed. It's 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 mind blowing, but but you know clearly that their mind is still unrenewed. Mark, Mark chapter six to eight reveals some amazing insights regarding the way Jesus endeavours to teach us kingdom life and principles, and subsequently to renew our mind. I want to say this though. I firmly believe, without Jesus, I can do nothing. I'm a firm believer that I'm I'm a branch. And a branch that is not vitally connected to the vine, which is Jesus, will wither and die. But if it's vitally connected to the vine, through the vine, it can bear an incredible amount of fruit. But let me say this to you. I firmly believe that He wants to bring you and I to a place where we less and less Look to him to deliver us. Ooh, that got your attention, didn't it? He wants to bring us to a place where we less and less. Look for Him to come and help me, to come and fix this, to come and supply that, to come and and change this, to come and break that, to come and restore that. God, come and do this. He's looking for me to do that less and less and He's looking for me more and more to become an agent of deliverance. He wants me to be a carrier of His power. He wants me to be an ambassador of heaven that does what He does. That flows in the power that he flowed in. Watch this. Mark chapter 6. We're going back there from last week. Verse 7. He called his 12 disciples together and sent them out, two by two, with authority to cast out evil spirits. Verse 13. And they cast out many demons. They cast out many demons, and they healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. Verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done. Oh, I hope you're hearing this. Yeah. I can't do anything without him, yeah. but I can do an awful lot through him yeah. and with him, yeah. as his life flows into me and flows out through. He doesn't bear fruit. I do. He's the vine. He produces the life in me that makes me an agent of healing, an agent of deliverance, an agent, a carrier of love and life and power and purpose. He is a God that wants to flow through me. they, They told him all they had done and what they had taught. They had experienced the power of God flowing in and through them with miraculous results. They were instrumental in confronting the kingdom of darkness With the kingdom of God, that that is what happened. But watch what happens next. We're still in uh, chapter six of Mark. They've been so busy on their new ministry tour. Just let your mind go there. You know, Jesus is not with us. He sent us. There's a sick man. You game? I'm game if you're game. Let's let's see if this works. And uh, that's I probably is what happened. And the guy got healed. I like this, you know. Oh, and there's a demon-possessed man. Let's have another go. And then he's set free. And it's like he gave us authority to do. We are seeing miracle after miracle. Wherever we go, whoever we touch is being restored. Hearts are being made whole. Lives are being put back together. They healed many sick people. But they come back and they hadn 't stopped they hadn 't eaten, days had gone by, they were so involved in in, in this new authority that they found they didn't they didn 't eat so Jesus suggests that they get away for a while, so they jump in the boat and they head away from the crowd. But the crowd aren 't silly; they can see where they 're going, and the Bible tells us in Mark chapter six that the crowd run around the edge of the lake and get to their Resort destination, their are and R place, before they do, and they arrive. Right. Look, if I was one of the disciples, I reckon I thought, "Oh man, alive! Go away! You know, I've had enough. I've healed enough today. I've I've restored enough today." But Jesus is overcome with compassion. All right, here we go again, guys. He's got that compassion thing again. he's got that look in his eye. It's just buckle in. We're in for another. Right, hours later, hours later, the disciples. You read this; it's in there. Send them away, <laughs> Jesus. Send them. enough. We've had enough. It's like you know. And they diplomatically encourage. Send the people away. They haven't eaten in ages. Jesus said, "You feed them <laughs> with what? <laughs> with what?" He said, what have you got? He's trying to renew their mind that when you're with me, you lack for nothing. When you believe me, you lack for nothing. When you walk with me, you will have everything you need at every moment where there is a need. If you just stay with me. And look, guys, keep your eyes open. Watch what happens here. He takes the loaves, takes the fish. He feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 people. With five loaves and two. that that is amazing. So they've they've healed people. They've cast out demons. They've experienced the power of God in their life. And then all of a sudden, they're watching this endless supply of food that just flows out to the crowd. The result was the feeding of a lot of people. Immediately after that, they get into a boat. Finally, we're getting a break. But Jesus said, I'm not coming with you at the moment. I'm just going to duck up the hill there and pray. Just, I need a bit of me time. So he takes off. They get in the boat. They take off. We talked a little bit about this last week. The storm rises. Uh, They're fighting the wind. They're battling the elements. They're, They're getting a little uneasy about it. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water. They flip out. They think he's a ghost. But he comes near the boat. and says, all right, guys, it's me. And he hops into the boat and he immediately calms the storm. When you're with me, you'll be okay. When you're with me, and the Bible says at that point they were astonished. They just healed sick people, they've just cast out demons, they just watched 4,000 people, and he just gets in the boat and they're astonished. It's like, I can understand now why in Mark chapter 8 he's going, You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, have you not been listening? Why are you worried about bread? I've just, I gave you a thought. You went without me and it worked and you were with me and I multiplied it. And you you worried because you didn't bring lunch. You're with me. I make lunch. I think he was frustrated. I think he was frustrated. Their mind had still not been renewed by revelation. They experienced. Danny Goog was with us two weeks ago and he talked about having moments in God. But if moments don't lead to momentum, they're a waste of time. And I think these guys were having moments in God, but the moments weren't leading them to a place of elevation, to a new thinking, a new understanding of how God works, who God is, what he does. Their moment did not move to momentum. And I think they were missing it. But Jesus is so kind, so patient, so gracious, and I'm so glad he is. Because I wouldn't be here today if he wasn't, believe me. In chapter 7, Jesus encounters the Pharisees and their challenges again. He continues to bring healing and, and restoration and wholeness wherever he goes. And the disciples are witnesses to this. So this is the ongoing demonstration. They're in the school. They're in the Bible college. They're, they're learning how this works. Then in Mark chapter 8, we see a repeat of the miracle in Mark chapter 6. So he fed 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. They, they go out with authority and they heal a lot of people. And then he calms a storm. And then we come to Mark chapter 8. We see a repeat, reinforcing the ability of God in and through our life. Jesus said, feed them. You know what they said? In Mark chapter 8? After Mark chapter 6? After Mark chapter 7? They said, with what? It would take a small fortune to feed this many people. I can't, if I was Jesus, I would have killed them. I, I would have sacked them. I, I, aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? <laughs> Honestly, he must—the poor guy was so frustrated. And you know, anyway, they're in the boat. You know, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. What's he implying? What's he implying? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? The problem is revealed in the words, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. I'm going to start landing this. I said this earlier in the message, because a renewed mind is the key catalyst for increasing faith and for bringing the will of God into my life, the kingdom of darkness will mobilize everything it can to stop me from thinking like God thinks, to stop me reading the Bible to stop me opening the pages of the book with an inquisitive heart, with a mind that says, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do a daily reading today. I want bread from heaven. I don't want to do my devotions today so that I can feel better. Well, I did, t- I did my devotions, but I never felt God. I never heard God. I never experienced God. I don't think that's what God has in mind for us. That's pharisaical mindsets. That's having religious activity without power. I, I-, I want my devotions to be filled with God. I want to hear his voice. I want the pages of his book to open to me and speak to me. But the devil will do everything he can to stop us from hearing God, seeing God, experiencing God, and from our heart being softened to the place where we can bring heaven and the influence, the dominion, the authority, the kingdom of heaven into my life where I can sing in the middle of the storm. And his key weapon is the bombardment of other influences upon my mind. You know, a wounded spirit will only be made whole. You you guys can come back. Thanks. A wounded spirit will only be made whole in the process of renewing the mind in the presence of God. Because this is not positive thinking. Positive thinking is very different. If I renew my mind without God in the process, I'm just changing the way I think. But with a Holy Spirit breathing on His Word... Impregnating the womb of my soul with that. Anything will be possible in that scenario. You know, God God wants me to know him and what he's capable of. To know him and the power of his resurrection. To have an intimate walk with him where when my wife is behaving badly, I just ask him about it. (laughs) When I'm behaving badly, I just ask him about it. God wants my mind and my heart to know what he's capable of. I serve El Shaddai. That means the all-sufficient one. When my heart is wounded, I just need to run to him. And I don't just need to just sit in his presence, but I need to incline my ear to hear what he's saying. And when he speaks, healing comes with his voice. And God said, let there be, and there was. Faith then is formed in my heart because that's the word that doesn't return void, but accomplishes the thing that it is sent to do. I encourage you, go and devour Mark's gospel, particularly chapters 6, 7, and 8. It's a fascinating read. It's not disjointed. It's Jesus simply trying to get them to understand when you're with me, you've got everything you need. When you're with me, you will lack for no good thing. When you're with me, the oil and the flour will never run out. When you're with me, you need Jesus. You don't need me. You need Jesus. And when you've got Jesus, you've got everything. Father, I pray this morning that your word would penetrate deeply into the soil of all of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here with a greater sense of who it is we serve. And every need we have, we will just lift it to you. And the storm can rage all it likes around us. And the pressure can increase all it likes against us. But we're just going to keep our eyes on You because when we've got You, we can sing in the middle of the storm. We can, we can rise out of the ashes with hope in our heart to the calling You've called us to, to the place of fruitfulness, to the place of breakthrough, to the place of a sense of contentment in whatever circumstance I find myself in. Lord, I pray You break off every one of us, the Pharisaical mindset. We're tired of religious activity without power talking about what God can do, but never seeing it. Lord, we want to break off the Herodian mindset where we're doing things for you, but not seeking you in the process. Help us all, I pray, through this whole journey. In Jesus' name.